While Tony Khan and AEW have done a really good job booking their superstars like superstars, there's still some members of the roster that are underutilized. And today, we try to name the top five most underutilized wrestlers on the AEW roster. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is my brother, Ralph Valenti. Welcome to the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. So, Ralph, I think the best way to do this is you give me your five. I'll give you my five. We'll try to make a master five. Go from there. And I think we're going to differentiate just like everybody else because what's great about this, what determines underutilized is different from person to person. But Ralph, explain what you think underutilized is. And based off of that, your top five most underutilized wrestlers in AEW. Yeah, so to me, underutilized is somebody that comes into a promotion, not necessarily with just raw talent, but somebody that has a little bit of fame, stardom to them coming into promotion and doesn't necessarily live up to or isn't booked to the level of their capability. So my list here that I have, and I don't know if any of these people are going to be on your list because we haven't really disclosed or discussed it yet, but I actually have a couple of tag teams. The first tag team that I have on my list is Proud, Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz. I do have Ethan Page on my list. I do have Jay Lethal for his short stint in AEW, and I will explain exactly why. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do have the acclaimed. And then last but not least, I do have Adam Cole on my list. Okay, hold on here. First off, first off, you have Jay Lethal, who just got to AEW less than a month. You want to explain it? I like you to explain this because how could someone be underutilized in less than a month? Again, and as you pointed out, and I know people are going to maybe disagree with this, but let me try to explain my position on this and then we can go from there. Jay Lethal is not a newbie in the pro wrestling industry, right? This is not like he's one of the four or five pillars or however many pillars and within AEW they may have. They got a good young talent base. Jay Lethal is a guy who, if you go back to even the formation of AEW before it, right before it, uh, at, at All Out. Or all in, I should say. I'm sorry. At all in. He was on that card and he was in a pretty high profile match. Now, mm-hmm. he's had a lot of success in Ring of Honor. He's held championships in most of the promotions he's been to. Right. Um, and he debuted at one of their biggest pay-per-views to date. Right. There was a right. lot of good things that happened on that pay-per-view. He came out and right from the get-go, they were like, look, you're going to wrestle Sammy Guevara for the title. Now, you would expect that a guy coming into a promotion, knowing that He's held championships. He's got some clout behind him. He's got some name recognition to him. I have no problem going him going out there and then wrestling uh, against a guy like Sammy Guevara and then losing. There's no shame in that because he had a really good outing. It's how sometimes AEW tends to follow up in certain situations. And and I guess the best comparison I can make to you is this. I asked you before we recorded, do you know mm-hmm. Alan Angel's current record? It's Off something the top like- of my head, I don't. No, and I had to look it up too. I know that it's not good, and I didn't expect it to be good. I actually didn't expect it to be as bad as it was. It's something like 2-12 or 2-15. Now, a 2-12 guy shouldn't necessarily be going however long with Kenny Omega and having a good competitive match, and that's a whole other conversation. Where I'm going with this is this. If you want to have a competitive match with a good young up-and-comer, a guy that has some name recognition, that's great, but what are you going to do afterwards? Like, where's the follow-up going to be? And that's Mm -hmm. where I think sometimes AEW tends to drop the ball with certain people. So it's hard to pick people because AEW does a good job at promoting guys in a certain way, especially if you have some recognition to your name. But I just don't like the fact that he debuted on the major pay-per-view, went toe-to-toe with Sammy Guevara, and then it was like, all right, Matt Hardy's throwing you out, and then you know what? You're not on the show next week. I don't like how they did that. Okay, I I understand where you're coming from here. And the other name that I really question is Adam Cole. How is Adam Cole underutilized? 
Is it just because he's wrestling Orange Cassidy? Quite frankly, Adam Cole is above that. Adam Cole, I think, just because he's wrestling Orange Cassidy is not enough to put on the list. Let me ask you this. Of everybody on that list. Yes. Is there anybody on that list that we have left that it would have been considered the hottest free agent in all of pro wrestling? Only one would be Adam Cole. No. So, no. Is there anybody that has more crossover appeal between NXT, WWE fans, AEW fans, other than Adam Cole on that list? I would, again, agree with you. Yeah, Adam Cole definitely marks that over everybody else. And if you're a fan who used to watch him on the other channel in the other show, and you turn on AEW to watch Adam Cole and you see him doing some play kicks going from main eventing against Champa, Gargano, and guys like that, and you see him in there with... Sorry to say it, a guy who wins a majority of his matches on dark and shows that are obscure that nobody really pays attention to, mostly, because their number one show is Dynamite. Nobody can dispute that. Why would you give it a chance after that? And to me, that's under you. Uh, well, for a guy that's had so much success, coming into a promotion that hot, making such a big, one of the biggest debuts in the past, I, I don't know, five, six, however many years. Remember when Bret Hart went to WCW and his first thing he did there was referee? Yes. Now, it's not at that level. I'm not saying it's at that level, but that's based on what I interpret as and what I consider underutilized. What a guy's name that has that much value, I would have hoped that he would have been in a higher position than we're going to have him wrestle Orange Cassidy. Match will be fine. Match will be good. But at least he. At least there's a plan in place. I understand it might be the that it's Orange Cassidy. And... He's polarizing. Some people like him. Some people don't. But at least there's a plan in place. I don't think that's the best way to utilize a top talent. Not a top talent in pro wrestling. I, I think part of it is obviously Kenny Omega being hurt kind of hinders this a little bit because I think this is going to lead to Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega. Whatever the storyline is with the elite and Bobby Fish and the best friends, I think eventually leads to some point. A separation of the elite with Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, assuming he does sign with AEW, against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And I do believe there's a plan in place. So for me to say it's underutilization, my interpretation of the definition, I would not necessarily use Adam Cole as one of the most underutilized. Yes, his booking could be better. I'll agree with you on that. But when I think of underutilization, I have two definitions for it. One, guys that just don't get any TV time that should. And two, guys that are on television but are not being lived up to their potential. Let me give you my five. So on the first half of my two definitions, the first guy that came to mind was Nick Camarado. And the reason I say Nick Camarado is he came out in that match against John Moxley last year. He has this great look. He's got this stray jacket on. He actually has a match with Moxley, and it's like six minutes roughly. But in that six minutes, you're like, this guy could actually beat Moxley. It was a very impressive outing, even though he lost to Moxley. What have they done with him since? Absolutely nothing. In fact, I even went on his, on the AEW website and he has a losing record in AEW. Yeah. You would think a guy like him is probably padding wins on dark. He's not even doing that. He has like a 500 singles uh, record and even when he's on Dynamite, it's in something with the factory where either him or Aaron Solo are the fall guys. I'm sorry. Nick Camarado definitely, they should definitely have some kind of story with him. Why is he wearing a straight jacket? You're telling me you can't build a couple vignettes together 
I mean, look at how Mero looks in those backstage video packages that they have to build his story as God's favorite champion or God's forsaken champion. You tell me you can't do something with Nick Camarado explaining why he's got a straight jacket around. Look at, Look look at, at Malachi Black's vignette this past week on Dynamite. That was right. awesome. They, right. That's the one thing. AW has very good production value when it comes to their vignettes. And, you know, yes. even for a guy like going back to like Wardlow, relative, actually, I shouldn't say relatively relative no name. He was essentially a no name coming into to AEW in the mm-hmm. sense that he hadn't been anywhere else other than right. the indie scene. So the vignette or the video package itself to hype him up was put together really well. So if right. they wanted to push this guy in one way or another, I'm sure they could do it effectively exactly. with vignettes and things of that nature. Exactly. So my second person that I named, I had to throw someone in the women's division. I know the women's division, it's hard to really name someone underutilized because the whole division itself could be used better because there's only like one really major feud and now you have the TBS championship. So I don't know who I could put as underutilized depending on who ends up being the TBS champion. But the name I'm going to throw out there is Layla Hirsch. Legit Layla Hirsch. I understand she's short. Listen, She's one of those where size doesn't matter. It's how you use it. And she uses it great. I, I don't know what experience she had prior to AEW. I don't think it was a lot, but she looks better than half the women that are in the ring on a, at least bi-weekly basis in AEW. And I don't remember the last time she was on TV. She's got to be utilized better. I want to see her at least once a month, just showcasing at somebody that they're pushing in AEW. And they haven't done anything with her. Maybe she's padding wins on on Dark. But the last one is a guy that he's part of a tag team. Never really got a showcase as a singles wrestler. But has some success outside of AEW in Lucha Underground. He was a top star there. His style in the ring is very hybrid. Technical, he could do some high-flying stuff. He could strike a little bit. He, He could work with a lot of different wrestlers. And he's only been on Dynamite, I believe, three times this year, if I looked correctly. And that is Angelico. Where the hell is this guy? And I understand he's part of the tag team with with Jack Evans. And the reason why I don't put him with Angelico is because, one, I think even Jack Evans admitted on social media he might be on his way out from AEW and his contract might not be renewed once it expires. But I think Jack Evans doesn't quite have what Angelico can offer from a in-ring perspective and a look perspective and a character perspective. I think in Helico, first off, the fact that he's never had a major feud is kind of alarming to me. I think he could be pushed in some kind of mid-card storyline. Put him in something just to see what we could get from this kid. And in three years, you got nothing out of him? Now, for my second half of the uh, definition that I have, guys that are on TV but not used to their potential, Kind of like what we say with Adam Cole. Uh, The guy that I actually bring up is Scorpio Sky. People might disagree with me with Scorpio Sky. But the reason I say Scorpio Sky is, yes, I understand he was part of the first tag team championships with SCU. I understand he won the brass ring at the Casino Battle Ladder match. I understand he's been in a feud with the inner circle and the men of the year and American Top Team. I understand there's been something there. But the fact that this guy... Broke away from SCU, really with no explanation. Turned heel, really with no explanation. Got three, I believe, three TNT championship matches. And all three times he lost. The first one, where he won the brass ring, he lost and then was immediately disregarded before he could even get out of the ring. 
tells you yeah. this guy should be doing a lot more. The first guy to pin Chris Jericho in AEW, and he's doing nothing. Yeah. No championships. It's- he's in this weird inner circle vortex of bullshit booking because Chris Jericho has to put himself as the focus in the storyline instead of Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and my last one on the list, the other tag team, Proud and Powerful. I agree with you there. Why the hell have they not had a tag team championship yet? Why the Uh, hell have they not had a major feud yet? They had a little bit with the best friends, which led to a, a great parking lot brawl done nothing since they've not been a focal point in any storyline you could tell me oh they're part of the inner circle they're part of the first blood and guts match all that stuff they have been on the back burner for the inner circle the entire year what the hell are you doing with these guys why isn't scorpio sky a tnt champion yet why isn't proud and powerful AEW tag team championships yet that's underutilization in my opinion it's it's funny because everybody that was essentially involved in that whole American top team feud, if you will, we have on our list pretty much. So yes. we both have proud and powerful. Yep. I feel like they actually did a lot of good stuff in their feud with FTR, but it's like it never really it never really went anywhere. It never really lived up to maybe what I feel like it could have been, because right now we got it seems like we're going to get FTR in the Briscoes. Yeah, right. That's something that a lot of people are looking forward to. Yep. I would have thought that Proud and Powerful and FTR would have been in not maybe that same caliber, but you know, maybe right up there because mm-hmm. Proud and Powerful was a very popular tag team uh, for a very long time, and they had a lot of, uh, like I said, they had a lot of name recognition going into AEW. They were one of the first tag teams are bigger names to debut in AEW. Look at the way they debut. You talk about their debut. Look at the way they debut. They come out after that ladder match with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. They attack them. They do the the president's masks. They join the inner circle. Like They they gave them some like credibility by immediately joining him with Jericho. And they... Yeah, and I I know the tag team division in AEW... I know the tag team division in AEW is very steep. Yes. Um, but it seems like they go out of their way to make time for almost every other prominent tag team other than that, especially if the Briscoes truly are going to be signed by AEW or be in AEW for a short period of time. That, again, to me, that's probably going to take away from, unless they do like a weird like three-way between the, the, the three of those tag teams, mm-hmm. which, you know, okay, fine. They are all very popular, but FTR, they're, for the most part, they're put up on a pedestal. They find time for them. They make time for... For the butcher and the blade, anytime Hardy's in a feud with somebody, best friends yeah. have time. I understand there's only so much time, but Santana and Ortiz is better than half that tag team roster that we just mentioned, at least. All right, so let's we we agree on proud and powerful. Do we want to make men of the year one in a list, like as a tag team? Sure. Or okay, so we're gonna put them. So we need three more names out of the other six that we have. Not in common. So we have Adam Cole, Jay Lethal, The Acclaimed, and Helico, Layla Hirsch, and Nick Camarado. Out of your list, I think The Acclaimed probably would be the most that I would probably go with. But even now, like they're starting to get a little bit more exposure. Where I think yeah, I know Bowens was hurt for a while too, right? right. And there was that whole fiasco with Matt Ka- Max Caster. And, right. So no, that's why they weren't quite on TV. So I might hold off on The Acclaimed, but. Definitely one to consider. Jay Lethal, I think it's way too soon on. I understand you're going to push for Adam Cole. I already said the acclaimed could be someone on your list that I'll take. Is there anybody on my list that you agree with other than the obvious proud and powerful and Scorpio Sky? 
Camarado, just because he definitely has a unique look to him, I think they probably could do something with that. We'll throw Camarado in, and we'll throw Adam Cole in. So that's four of the five. So left, we have Jay Lethal, the acclaimed Layla Hirsch, and Angelico. I like Layla Hirsch over Angelico, to be quite honest with you, especially considering her women's division isn't as deep, and I think she can stand out and be, you know, maybe not... I guess she could be a main eventer. I don't know, but she's she's good. She's skilled. So I think the only thing that could be plaguing her is we don't know what she could do on the mic. We have not really seen yeah. promos out of her, and that might be why she has not been used the way she ha- she should be. I think what we have is a good solid five: proud and powerful, men of the year, Nick Camarado, Adam Cole, and Layla Hirsch. I'm sure everyone's going to disagree on our top five, so you can name your top five in the comments below. Subscribe, hit that bell for notifications. We'll see you on the next episode of Squared Circle Psychobabble.